Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find somewhere to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. I have yet to determine what exactly we're going to call this episode. I don't know if we're going to call it Quick Money Thoughts, if we're going to call it Nuggets of Wisdom on Money. I don't know if we're going to call it... I don't know what we're going to call it. So whatever you clicked on the episode today, that is the title we settled on. And really, this was something that I was actually going back and doing some review of some of these subjects that we have covered here on Sandy Creek Stirrings. By the way, you can review those by going to sandycreekstirrings.com, and you can click the Episodes tab and see all the content that we've put out over 200 episodes. And But one of those subjects that I was looking at and reviewing was a series we did, Episodes 97, 98, and 102. That was our series on Practical and Productive Finances, Part 1, 2, and 3. And so we look, took a very biblical look and a realistic look. I'm not saying, definitely not saying the Bible is not realistic, it is. I'm saying we're taking that biblical principle and putting it in the real situations we involve ourselves in every single day. So the practical side of applying those principles. We talked about all those different things broke it down into three different segments, and uh, so that was episodes 97, 98, and 102. If you have not listened to our series on practical and productive finances, let me encourage you to do that. I think it would be worth your time in learning some biblical principles on handling your finances and what God has to say about your money. Episode number 115 was kind of a follow-up episode to that series, and that was entitled Teaching Your Children Wise Money Habits. And we began going all the way back to raising even toddlers and teaching them how to handle the small amounts of money they will begin to get. And so we talked about all that, episodes 97, 98, 102, and then 115 was teaching your children wise money habits. By the way, God talks about money and finances so many times in Scripture. So this is a Bible-based podcast. This is a, a podcast where our goal, and we've said it so many times, our goal is to stir you up for the cause of Christ, and that's going to include every area of life. Um, to me, when I'm talking about the Word of God and how it impacts our life, there is no area of life 
that is off limits. God's Word gives us principles and examples and sometimes just direct commands for what we should do in our lives. And so when we come to talk about money today, um, we're going to cover a, a broad spectrum of things. These are things that I was, as I was reviewing some of the content we produced in that Practical and Productive Finances series, I began saying, you know, I wish I'd mentioned this, and I wish I'd mentioned this, or I, went, I wish I, I went a little bit more in depth on that. And so today isn't going to be so much of like we're going to have an outline and points and things. It's going to really be just very basic thoughts, right? I'm going to give you a thought give you an idea, how can, how can we accomplish that, how can we apply that, and move forward. So today is going to be super-duper practical, and I think you'll enjoy today's episode. Point one, point two might not be for you, but point three, four, five might be. You never know. And so one of these thoughts, I believe, you'll be able to walk away today and be able to implement in your life, and hopefully, if nothing else, they are just good reminders for handling your money and your finances. And so this is a big deal, by the way. Finances are a big deal. Uh, Finances and money problems are the number one reason for divorce in America. Number one. I mean, it's not even close. Number one is money problems and financial issues. And so if we avoid talking about how to handle our finances, could we not be enabling the divorce rate in America. And so I believe that talking about finances, not only on podcasts such as this one, or even from the pulpit, I think would be right for pastors and preachers and Christians across America to do, especially since God talks about finances so many times in Scripture. So we're going to dive right into that here in just a second. Let me thank you for being a listener of Sandy Creek Stirrings. If you like this podcast, let me encourage you to go on Apple Podcast or Facebook and leave us a review. All that does is enable other people to be able to find the same content that hopefully you are enjoying. If you have any questions on any on any episode or any topic we've covered or one we haven't covered, you can email those questions to joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. If you have any questions about what this podcast is, maybe you happen to stumble across it, you can always go to our website, sandycreekstirrings.com, click the About button to find out more about who we are and what we do. All right, so let's jump right into quick money thoughts, Uh, practical nuggets of wisdom for money. That sounds like a really long title. And uh, But we're going to talk about money today. As I said, I'm going to give you a thought and give a little subject content, you might say, and then move right forward with the next thought we're going to give. And I believe everybody should be able to get something out of today's episode that they can apply to their lives. The first thought I'm going to give is something we've covered in depth, um, but I just want to mention again. I have begun to notice what you might call, and I don't think it's necessarily new. Um, It's always been there. But it almost seems like it's becoming a fad for Christians to pick this up. I'm, I'm just hearing it more and more. And this idea that tithing is no longer biblical. And so here's thought number one, and as I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a thought, and then we'll move on to the next one. But I, number one, I want to tell you, hey, tithing is still biblical. 
tithing is still in place. If you have any questions on that subject, listen to episode number 41. We talked about tithing. Should Christians tithe? That's literally the title. We answer the question, should Christians tithe, even if we are past the law? And to talk about, you know, why some of that, when people say, well, we no longer are under the law, uh, why some of that is applicable and why some of it is not. And so we talked about that very much in depth, but I just, mm, I don't get it. I was listening to a guy the other day, and I shut him down because I'm not going to listen to garbage. And um, I, I'm sorry, I don't want garbage in my mind, in my head, or in my life. And so if you're going to spout off garbage, I'm just not going to listen to you. And um, But let me tell you, I was listening to this guy, and he was parroting some stuff that he had heard from John MacArthur. And uh, by the way, there's a reason um, we shouldn't you know, listen to John MacArthur, you know, Calvinism, and, and so many other things. And um, I won't dive into that today. You say, well, he has some good stuff to say on other subjects. Go back and listen to episode number 25, Why Have to Spit Out the Bones? Why Have to Spit Out the Bones? And we go in depth on why I'm not going to listen to stuff that I have to spit out the bones on. I don't want to choke. And if you want more on that, go back. By the way, that's a biblical principle, not just my opinion. All right? You, you'll never, you, you can't take me anywhere in Scripture where it says that we should, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones is what people say. You know, get what you can and try and, you know, just cut out the stuff that's bad. You can't take me to that anywhere in Scripture. The Bible says, well, go back and listen to episode number 25. But this guy was spouting off and parroting this stuff he had heard from John MacArthur on why we are no longer, you know, required to tithe and all that. And he said, you know, truth be told, you know, the Old Testament tithe was way more than 10%. And, you know, if you had to give 10% of your sheep, you know, when they were born, and 10% of your fields, you, you know, the harvest, and 10% of this, and 10% of that, and he was like, you know, it all adds up to like 60-something percent. And I was like, I don't think you actually know what a tithe is. A tithe is 10% of what? Your income. So if you have a, a sheep that is born, and it's, you know, birthing time for your for your flock of sheep back in Bible times, and, and you have 10 sheep, well, what are those sheep? Their income. Am I, am I missing something? Their income. Uh, go over here to the, the cornfield, and, and it's harvest time, and you have a whole bunch of corn, bushels and bushels and bushels of corn, and all those are what? Income. Like, am I missing something, y'all? It's not 60%. It's 10% of all your income. And I, to me, that just doesn't make sense. And, and when you break it down, it's like, what are you even talking about? And for some reason, I don't know what it is, but people are just, they're talking about tithing isn't biblical anymore. And that's just so false. Just so false. And again, we covered that very much in depth in our episode, Tithing, um, Why Should Christians Tithe? Let me be very careful, or let me warn you to be very careful. There's people, even within our quote-unquote movement, and I hate calling independent Baptist a movement. Like, the term independent tells you we're not a movement. And um, <laughs> am I the only one who finds that interesting? And uh, But we're not a movement. But, uh, you know, when people refer to the independent Baptists and refer to a movement, there's people who preach um, that tithing is not biblical. In fact, there's a, a guy down in DeLand in, in Florida and um, preaches a message entitled The Lies of the Tithes and Why You Should Not Tithe. Let me tell you something. That's a big issue. This is a doctrinal issue. And I, I, I just, yeah, 
we won't move forward anymore with that. But episode number 41, tithing. Why should Christians tithe goes into depth on why tithing is still in place and why tithing is still biblical. I went a little bit longer on that point than I wanted to, but we'll move forward. Here we go. I had somebody ask me this the other day, and I don't, by the way, I don't claim to be a financial guy. Um, What I claim to be is a Christian who does my best. Hopefully, hopefully I do my best. I feel like I try to do my best. I could always do better. And uh, but I try to study the Word of God as much as I can, so I'll give just my thoughts and uh, and what I believe the Bible has to say about this. Um, somebody asked me the other day, "Is it okay to go in debt for business expenses?" And this was a guy who is working on taking what he has as a hobby and turning it into a business. And he was asking me, you know, in this hobby stage, is it okay to go into debt, rack up? debt on credit cards and loans and stuff like that to try and turn this into a business. And I was trying to answer that question in the best manner that I could, and I took him back to a passage in Proverbs. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And I asked him, I said, Look, you have to determine who you want to be a slave to. When you look at debt in Scripture, um, you'll never find where it's called sin, but you will find this constant principle that when you are indebted to somebody, you become their servant. You become, well, Proverbs 22, 7 says you become their slave because you are under, they are your master until you are free from that debt. And I asked him, I said, look, you got to determine who you want to be a servant to. I went for a, for a couple of years when we first got married. Uh, Tabitha and I were servants to Capital One. They had debt every or they had we had debt to them, and uh, every month we would have to try and pay that interest payment and struggling through. And we documented our, our how we got out of that in um, in an episode entitled Three Newlywed Focal Points," and that was episodes number fifty five and fifty eight. And we talked about, you know, how we how we worked out of that and how we got out of that. But I was a slave to Capital One. Uh, my wife and I just took on a 30-year mortgage for our new home. And uh, obviously now I am now a slave. I am a servant to the mortgage company. Um, that's just the way it is. When I signed up to pay them back, I become their servant. And the key is when you begin looking at, should I take on this debt? Should I do this? Should I do that? I encourage this this guy. I said, look, you have to determine who you want to be a slave to. If I was still a slave to Capital One every month, then I could not choose to be a slave to the mortgage company. I couldn't afford it. It would not work. And the problem is, if we're not careful, we rack up so many different masters through debt that we can no longer choose who we do and who we don't want to be a servant to. By the way, can I just throw this in here, and you interpret it how you want to when covering this subject, but the Bible says that you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. Now, I think that lends itself to you know, saying that maybe we should do our best to stay out of debt as much as possible. And I think that's a very wise financial principle, and we're not going to dive into all of that today. But you have to determine, who am I okay with being a servant to? 
Because if you choose to be a servant to Capital One, and you choose to be a servant to the Ford dealership, and you choose to be a servant to um, what name whatever you want to be a servant to, then sometimes you can limit yourselves to being having the freedom to be able to give freely in church. Maybe there's a knee or something, and you just cannot afford it because you have chosen to be a servant to all these other places. Or maybe there's some future thing you would like to do, but because you are a servant to all these different places, it can sometimes affect your long-term goals. So the question to ask yourself before taking on any debt, whether it be small or big, is number one, can you pay for it cash? No. <laughs> and that's a great question to ask too. But the question to ask is, am do I really want to be a slave to this company or this person. So there's a great thing for you to talk about. Let's talk about real quick. Here's thought number three, whatever the next thought is, is um, evaluating a purchase. Um, when we go to buy something, when we go to purchase something, um, we really need to question ourselves. Sometimes we live in a world that it's now, 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 me, 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 get it to me. We have no patience. We have Amazon Prime and next day shipping and sometimes same day shipping if you're in the city. And we've got all these things to where we can get it quicker and we've lost some of our patience. And sometimes that can play into messing up our budget. And so whenever we're going to evaluate a purchase, there's three questions to ask yourself. Number one, is it a want or a need? Is it a want or is it a need? Needs always come before wants. And so I'm never going to buy something that I want that is going to affect whether or not I can purchase a need, right? I need electricity. I need gas in my car. I need food for my family. I need a roof over my head. Those are needs. I'm not going to buy any want that's going to affect those needs. And the problem is sometimes we can talk ourselves into thinking that a want is a need. I'll give you an example from my life. Um, maybe I shouldn't announce this online, but I'm a, I'm a concealed carry permit holder. I conceal carry. And um, right now I have a setup that I like. I would like for it to be a little bit better. And so I've been looking at some other options and I found what I would like to do moving forward. And you know what my brain is trying to tell me right now? If, you're a, if you are a concealed carry person and you like guns, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But my brain is trying to tell me, you know, to keep your family safe and to do all this, you really need to go and shell out the extra money to go ahead and get that, you know, that new carry set up. You need, you need to go ahead and do that. And the truth is, it's a want. Like, I can already do everything I need to. I'm fine. And I have to be sure that I'm telling my brain, no, that's a want. Now, take a different subject or take a different purchase, and when you're evaluating that purchase, evaluate, is it a want or is it a need? Is it a want or is it a need? And that'll help you determine moving forward. You know, can I wait uh, a couple months on that? And that kind of ties into question number two when you're evaluating a purchase is, when do you need it by? So if it is a need, when do you need it by? You have to be careful. Sometimes we have a need and it's June right now and we're like, well, I need it in August. And we go on Amazon and we go ahead and sh have it purchased and shipped to our house the next day. Well, I didn't need it till August. So let's budget it out, you know, let's let's put it out there, you know, and let's just wait to purchase it because sometimes we can mess up our financial budget by buying needs that, yeah, we're going to need in a couple months, but we don't need right now. That's not saying don't prepare for it. That's not saying don't be ready, but that's saying make sure you're buying the needs when you need them. 
and uh, take that into take that into account. And then number three on evaluating a purchase, here's the third question: How do I acquire that need? So I have a need. How do I get it? All right. Let's take an example. Let's let's say you let's say you are a farmer. And you need some sort of harvesting equipment. Let's say you need a, uh, I don't know, pick anything. Let's say you need a a piece of harvesting equipment, and it's going to cost you $1,000. It's June right now. You're going to need it for harvest in September. I'm just making things up as I go. And you say, I need to buy this $1,000 thing. Like, it's a need. If I don't have this, I'm not going to be able to get that done. So it's a need. I need to get it. All right, so when do I purchase it? Well, we need to purchase it sometime before September. It is a need. Now, the third question to ask yourself is how do I acquire that need? Because there's really three different ways. One is cash, right? I could just choose between now and September to save up as much money as I can and purchase it cash. That's a really good option. The second way is not a great option, is debt. Right, you could put it on Afterpay and go ahead and pay. And by the way, Afterpay is a ripoff, and uh, we'll talk about that at a different time. But um, they say interest free, and it it's not interest free. And uh, there's a reason that you end up paying more than when you started. And uh, but you've got debt. Um, it's just not a great option, you know. So maybe save up. Or the alternate method is the third way of getting that need. You say, what's an alternate method? Well, maybe you trade for it. Maybe you've got this old four-wheeler sitting outside that you don't use anymore, and you're like, hey, this neighbor over here has that piece of equipment I need. Maybe he'll trade me my four-wheeler for that harvesting equipment, and he might. You can trade, you can barter, you can rent. Do you really need one all year long? If you don't, maybe a better idea is just to rent one for 100 bucks a day, right? That may be a better option. Maybe buying one used. You can, you can save a lot of money by buying something secondhand, buying something used, Or here's another method that we don't like to hear about, and as soon as I say it, y'all are going to gasp. You could do it by hand. You say, I have to gather all the corn by hand. I think that's what you have to do anyway. Uh, So corn is probably a terrible example, but I have to shell all the peas by hand. And um, yeah, you could do it that way. Um, we just had land clearing done at my house not too long ago, and when they finished everything up, there were roots everywhere in the yard. And uh, the houses move there. I need to plant grass seed, but I don't want my girls to run through the yard and be tripping over roots all over the place. And so I looked at the cost to rent a machine. I looked at the cost to have somebody come out there and get all these roots ripped up and decided, you know what, I'll just take a few hours, two days, and I will get a machete and a rake and a wheelbarrow, and I'll just get rid of the roots myself. You say, that's dumb. Well, I just saved myself a bunch of money by doing it myself. So it is possible to do it by hand. So the question is, is it a want or is it a need? When do I need it by? And then how can I acquire it? Sometimes I can trade. Sometimes I can rent. Sometimes I can buy used. Sometimes I can just do what it is by hand. It's going to be more labor intensive. It may take me longer. But you know what? I can do it if I just set my mind to do it. All right. So evaluating a purchase. Let me give you the next thought. Spending time in research can save you a lot of money. Spending time in research can save you a lot of money. If you learn to invest time in researching out your purchases, it can save you money in the long run. Instead of having to do returns and pay for shipping and do this and do that, just doing research and making the right purchase the first time 
can save you money in the long run. So let me encourage you, before you make a big purchase, whether it be Hey, go back to my concealed carry thing. Whether it be you're, you're going to buy a new gun or maybe a new holster or maybe you're going to buy a TV or maybe you're going to buy a washer or a dryer or maybe you're going to buy a, a car or whatever it may be, learn to do your research and make the right purchase the first time. Read reviews. Watch videos. Ask people who already own that thing, you know, how does it work? And, you know, research things out and make the right purchase the first time. Here we go. Here's the next one. Have a long-term outlook for your finances. Realize that what you do with your money today will impact how you get to spend your money in the future. Every single purchase you make today impacts your future outlook. So have a five-year plan, have a 10-year plan, have a 15-year plan, have a 20-year plan, have a have a 30-year plan for your finances. My wife and I have a 30-year mortgage. We're hoping and we're praying and we have a plan in place that we're hoping to pay that off in half of the time that we're scheduled to pay it off. We really want to do that. We're going to work hard to try and get that done. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be tight, but it's our money plan we have. You want to have an outlook for your finances. Next, contentment can save you a lot of money. Contentment can save you a lot of money. But the new iPhone is so sweet and it's so nice and it's so beautiful and it's so much slimmer and it's got so many new features, you know, that the other iPhone didn't have. And my iPhone is it's now a year old and and you know my Android it's just not up to date. It's a it's a you know early 2021 model and I just I need a new phone right? Mine's just too slow. You know, contentment could save you a lot of money. I see people who, and I'm not talking about the people who are on plans and they get free upgrades and all that, and uh, you might be able to afford a cheaper phone plan, but, um, but I see, you know, nothing wrong with that. They get the free upgrade, so be it. I'm talking more to the guys who are, you're just not content and you just have to upgrade. Oh, you know, this is so much better. No, it's not. It's really not that much better. You you think about it. It's got a fingerprint scanner. Well, your other phone has a fingerprint scanner. But this is the 2.0. Okay, so it scans your fingerprint a, a two hundredths of a second faster. And, um, I mean, seriously, people, have you really thought about what we're doing because we're just not content? So many times I see, especially uh, young people, teenagers, college students, they're just running around and buying this, 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 and this, and this because they're not content. Let me tell you something. Why you stop at the coffee shop when you're driving down the road isn't because you had it budgeted. It might be. Maybe you have a really good budget and you've budgeted in coffee. And, uh, but you know why? You're just not content. You know, you've got a water bottle sitting right there in the front seat, but you're just not content with the water. You're like, I have to have a coffee. Contentment over time can save you a lot of money. You say, is it wrong to buy coffee when I'm going down the road? No, but think about it. Sometimes if you just say, no, I'm good, you can save yourself a lot of money. Next, reevaluate your bills to save some money. If you want to save some money, reevaluate your bills. We had State Farm for insurance. And um, we had them for car insurance. I had them ever since I got my license. My parents had them at the time. And they've now switched to something else. Who knows what? And uh, But I had State Farm. And uh, my bill was going up. And so I started calling around insurance companies. And I'll tell you this. This may not be the case for you. But Geico really did save me 15% or more on car insurance. And no, this is not a commercial for Geico. and uh, But they really did. They saved me 15%. 
I saved a lot of money by switching car insurance plans. You might be able to, too. If you just do a little bit of work, you know, submit and get some quotes and see, you know, you might save yourself 15, 20, 30 bucks a month in car insurance by switching companies. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's worth taking a look at. Sometimes you look at your cell phone plan. You live in a big metropolis area, a big, uh, is it metropolitan area instead of metropolis? You live in a metropolis or a metropolitan area, or you live in a city, and sometimes you can change uh, uh, phone carriers and your signal is going to be fine. Now, I'm out here in a rural community. I literally have to have Verizon. Like, there is no other option. Nothing else works as well that I know of. And we've tried Sprint, AT&T, T-Mobile. Nothing out here works except for Verizon. So I'm kind of stuck. But listen to this. Depending on where you live and your location, you might be able to save money by switching to a different carrier or a different phone plan. I'm not saying you will. I'm saying it might be worth the time because think about it. If you can save 15 bucks on your car insurance and 5 10 bucks on your phone bill and maybe look at your house insurance and you can save 5 10 bucks a month and you can crunch all these things down, well, you just might get an extra 30 40 50 60 $100 a month by just making some changes and evaluating your bills. So if you're looking and you're really crunching down and you're finding, you know, when I get to the end of the month, I have nothing left over, reevaluate your bills and see what you can do. Here's another one. Life insurance shouldn't, shouldn't be optional. Life insurance should not be an option. You know, that's more of my opinion to a degree. But the Bible does say that in Proverbs 13.22, a good person, do you want to be a good person? I hope you do. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Look, one of the easiest ways to leave an inheritance for your children is life insurance. I'm not trying to sell you a product right now, um, but term life insurance, wholesale is, yeah, there's a reason I have term and not wholesale, or whole life. (laughs) I wouldn't buy wholesale life insurance anyway. Whole life, there's a reason I don't have whole life insurance. That's a different subject for a different day, but get yourself some good term life insurance. It'll enable you to leave something to your children's children, to your grandchildren, and especially to your children. And then if you're like me, the husband of your home, You'll be able to leave some money to your wife in case of an accident or case something happens. You'll be able to leave some money to your wife where she can live for a while and be okay. She doesn't have to freak out the next day and worry about what she's going to have to do. She has money to bury you. Funerals are expensive. Life insurance, it's so worth the effort. It's so worth the time. Life insurance rates are at an all-time low. Did you hear me? They're at an all-time low as far as monthly cost. And right now we live in a day and age where it's almost the easiest to get life insurance it ever has been. Um, A lot of places don't even require you to get an exam. You don't have to get a medical exam on a lot of these places. And so let me encourage you, a good option to go to is Xander. They go through and they pick out all these different life insurance companies when you enter your information and you can just pick whichever one fits the bill. It's kind of like the progressive. It compares all the different car insurances together or the life insurances together. Me personally... I just don't think it's an option. I think it's a necessity. I think you need life insurance. It's a good, wise thing to do. Here's another thing. Health insurance is a good idea. Health insurance is a good idea. Now, I know it's not always affordable. I get it. I know it's not always affordable. And I know it's sometimes like, oh, you know, I just can't afford it. Um, But if you can, it's a good idea. 
an accident happens, something, you know, you never know when something's going to happen with your health, whether it be cancer, a car wreck, uh, you, you fall and break a bone, you, you never know what could happen. And so having health insurance is a really good idea for protecting yourself along the way in the future. And so if you're like, well, I can't afford, you know, conventional health insurance, then maybe look something into into something like um, the healthcare ministries uh, by Christian organizations, such as like a Christian healthcare ministries or Samaritan ministries. Uh, they have some plans that just might work for you. And so let me encourage you to take a look at those if you're struggling to... Um, have health insurance. Next, going into debt to save money doesn't always work. Going into debt to save money doesn't always work. Um, there's people right now who are promoting this idea that because gas prices are so high that I should go out and I should finance a, a $60,000, Tesla to save money. <laughs> um, I think you forget that you still have to pay the electricity bill. And by the way, the power companies are raising rates too. Um, I was listening to some guys talk about this subject and the guy, you know, said, you know, that he saves about 20 to 30 bucks a, um, a week or what I think it was a month, 20 bucks, 30 bucks a month by, um, having a Tesla. And, um, okay. Take that. Let's go $60,000 Tesla. How long is it going to take you to save money because you now saved even $20 a week? How long is it going to take you to start actually saving money um, by having financed a $60,000 Tesla? Now, that's a very like big, big illustration, but take little things. Sometimes we go and we want to go into debt for this little thing because, you know, you know, I could really use it and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it doesn't actually save us money in the long run. So let me encourage you, think about it. Think about, you know, am I actually saving money? If I go through this now, this is something else. Carry ca carrying cash is a good idea. Carrying cash is a good idea. The majority of people, um, for them, they spend money easier and quicker if they just have a card. Like plastic, they have no connection to it. They don't see the dollar bills behind it, and so they just spend more money. It's a stat. Like, it's a fact. Um, there is a small percentage of people who spend cash quicker and easier than they do a, a card. I personally am one of those people that cash for me is easier to spend. Like there's no trace of it. It's just gone. For me, when I go back under my bank account online, I see all the purchases I made and it hurts more. It's like, ouch, 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 ouch. And so for me, I'm in that category. But carrying cash can be a good idea. And I was talking with my pastor the other night and he mentioned this and I thought, you know, I'm going to mention that on a podcast. Carrying cash is a good idea. Here's the reason why. If somebody is there at church or somebody's at the gas pump next to you and the Holy Spirit says, hey, give them 20 bucks. Hey, give that person $5. Hey, give that, give, see that kid over there? Give them 10 bucks. I can't do that if I don't have any cash in my wallet. So if I carry a little bit of cash in my wallet, maybe four fives, maybe, maybe 50 bucks, two 20s and a 10. Maybe 10 bucks, maybe just $10. Carrying cash is a good idea because it allows me to be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit if he chooses to lead me in a direction such as that. Here's another one for you, another thought for today. Don't let niceties become necessities. Don't let niceties become necessities. Um, getting your nails done is a nicety, as is not a necessity. And I'm talking for the ladies. Men, if you get your nails done, I just, yeah. 
No, we're not going to go any further on that. And uh, But if you get your nails done, ladies, that is a nicety. It is not a necessity. Be very careful what you do to your monthly budget because you have to get your nails done and you have to get your hair colored. You can load down your budget because you have now made a nicety a necessity. Look, eating a steak is a nicety. It's not a necessity. If you're broke, ground beef is going to have to do. Going out to eat, if you're broke... That's a nicety. It's not a necessity. You do not have to go out to eat. And some of you, your jaw just dropped open. I have to eat out. No, you don't. It's a nicety. It is not a necessity. Uh, Here's another one. And some of y'all are going to just be in an uproar. I'm going to have a riot right outside the podcast doors. And um, Amazon Prime is a nicety. It's not a necessity. Paying the now $15, over $15 a month. Yes, that's what it is. Over $15 a month for Amazon Prime is not a necessity. That is a nicety. It's nice to have. You can save a lot of money by turning things that are niceties like YouTube TV, Disney Plus, Netflix, and, you know, Disney Plus and whether or not you should have that is a different subject for a different day. And, um... But those are niceties. Those aren't necessities. You can save yourself a lot of money by cutting those out. And then here's the last one we'll talk about for today. We've already gone over time. Buying quality is often better than buying quantity. Buying quality is often better than buying quantity if you can afford it without breaking your budget or your financial outlook. I'll say that again. Buying quality is often better than buying quantity if you can afford it without breaking your budget or financial outlook. I'll put it to you this way. Um, I wear dress shoes a lot. Like I'm in ministry, so dress shoes are like very common for me to wear. I'd go on Amazon. I'd buy a $40 pair of dress shoes. You know, they're uh, fake leather and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they got rubber soles and all that kind of thing. And I'd wear them out in a few months. And so then six months later, I'm buying another $40 pair of dress shoes. And after I did that three times in about 15 months, 18 months, I realized that I'd spent $120 and I had nothing. I had three three broken down old pairs of dress shoes. So my wife for Christmas went on and um, there's these premium dress shoe makers. And, you know, they've got all the fancy features that a nice dress shoe should have. And she went online and she found a very good condition used pair and purchased them for 70 bucks. And they are never going to break down. Then you say, well, yeah, they will. The soles will wear off. Yeah, but I can send them to the local shoe guy and he'll put a new sole on them for 30 bucks. And that'll happen once every two years. You know what I just did? By buying quality, I ended up saving myself money in the long run. Now, sometimes that doesn't work. Here's the reason why. If I don't have money for quality, then sometimes I'm going to have to buy quantity instead. Uh, For instance, your shoes keep wearing out and you don't have money to buy quality, then yeah, you're just going to have to buy another pair of those shoes and just make them work for however long you can. But this is going to apply to many different areas of life. 
if you can afford to, do the research and buy quality, and it'll keep you from having to buy quantity, which, by the way, quantity is always going to run you more money in the long run. Quality has so many, there's a reason it's quality. And so if you can afford it, it's within your budget, and it doesn't hurt your financial outlook, try and buy quality. And um, can I also say this? The perceived best might not always be the most quality. I see people get into traps where they're like, well, this is the best because so-and-so said so. No, it's not. It's it's not the best. And you do your research, and this off-brand of that might have just as much quality. By the way, brand does not mean quality. I know some of the biggest designers and fashion stores, and uh, they're like, you know, uh, take H&M in the mall for their clothing. Um, they've got big brand, big brand. Their clothing is cheap. And I don't mean it's not, I don't mean it's inexpensive, like it's expensive, but it's cheap. It doesn't last long. It just, it's not worth it. It's not quality. Just because it's a brand doesn't mean it's quality. And sometimes when you have a big brand, sometimes there's an off brand that's just as much quality wise as the other thing. So that's where research is going to come in, help you save money, because if you can end up through research buying quality, for relatively the same price as quantity, why wouldn't you do it anyway as long as it's within your budget? So there's some money thoughts for you today, some wise financial things that questions were asked to me, and hopefully I gave some answers that might help you today. Let me encourage you to keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. <music>